sake of the recording, how about we have a proper introduction? Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Um, good to see you all here. We started this practical prayer series last week, and um, the purpose has been twofold. First of all, to help us gain a language and a depth to prayer so that, so to speak, our bucket would be richer, deeper, so that we can draw from deeper wells within our soul. But the second purpose, even more, is to just capture and convey some of this intensity and the heat of prayer. And I realize in the past week that what I'm doing now is not just preaching and not just teaching, but really trying to be a conduit for God's revival. You know, when we're planting this church, it's not just a matter of getting all the systems in place and filling the seats. You know what we're trying to do is be conduits for God's revival. And do you know how holy and an awesome of a responsibility that is? And I realize that even for myself, you know, kind of like Isaiah, I, I say, woe unto me, I'm a man of, of sinful heart and lips and, and thoughts. And, and so... I don't want to just talk about prayer. I, I want us to capture that heat. I want us to get infected with its enthusiasm, with, with its experience, not just of getting hot for Jesus. Yes, that, but more so learning how to lay our lives before Him and to make the harder choice of surrender and submission and letting our lives be dictated by Him, turning our lives over. The heart of revival always begins with confession. Revival always begins with repentance, and that's something that I can't teach on. It's just something that we got to do. And so we last week learned the Lord's Prayer, and here's what I'd like for us to do. Um, I've asked us all to memorize that, and off and on, not every week, but um, when there's an apt moment, we'll learn prayers to memorize them. And so the Lord's Prayer was one to memorize. If we could recite that together... And if you could all close your eyes at this moment, and I'd like for us to pray, actually. We're praying for revival. We're praying for God. God, we're asking you to move in a deep way in our hearts. As we're beginning to pray, we don't want to just learn how to babble on like we learned last week, geo, to just babble on meaninglessly as the pagans do. And we certainly don't want to learn cerebral prayer. Lord, we want our hearts to be moved. We want our hearts to be revived. We want prayer to lead to deeper walk with Jesus and to confession and to repentance and to changed hearts and lives. We don't want to just be hot for Jesus in the sense that we just get all emotional and hot and bothered. We want there to be genuine transformation. We want to experience your indwelling and the intimacy that the saints for 2,000 years have talked about. And these people have talked about the deeper life and the experience of going to church, but then all of a sudden experiencing profound transformation, deeper things happening. That's what we're asking for. Lord, our little church, what we need is a touch from you, and that's what we're asking for now. Lord, we confess our sins. We confess that we are a people of impure thoughts and motives and desires, disordered loves. We're egotistical, self-driven we have many, many character defects. One by one, deal with us. Deal with me. In our times of prayer, may we fall flat on our faces, both in, in posture but also in heart, 
Transform us now through this prayer series. We're asking you desperately, Lord Jesus, touch our little church with your holy fire and your love and your awesome power. And we conclude this all together with the prayer that we've memorized all together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. It's a great way to start with a very short prayer meeting. Um, I could really use a cup of water. I can see them going a little hoarse. The Lord's Prayer last Sunday, you know, what that really taught us was some of the things where to pray. Do you remember when Jesus says, when you pray, go into your secret room? And he taught us that secret room was supposed to be this kind of odd space that nobody uses for anything, you know, not for prayers certainly, but to um, appropriate, to take and use that space for yourself. And Jesus says, use that space, find that secret room, and shut the door and pray. So we talked about the where. So I'm really trying to get practical and teach about the nitty-gritty here of prayer, the one, two, three, the steps of the 12 steps of how to pray, right? Where do we pray? Find the secret place. I gave the analogy last Sunday of, thank you so much, Emily. Thank you. No, that's great. I gave the analogy of my own dog. Sometimes it's amusing just to watch her when she settles down she curls up the blanket between her legs and just turns it, twirls it into this perfect thing, does it five times, turns this way five times the other way, and then sits down and goes, <sighs> and she's nested. And um, prayers like that too. I really think, I thought it was just me, but I think it's everybody. You can't just say, I'm going to pray. It, re- it involves some nesting. A set place is necessary. Finding a place Because you're going to consecrate that place. You're going to make it your devotional space. So it's necessary to find your secret closet, prayer closet, or the inner room, as Jesus says, the Timaeon, that place where where nobody suspects is being used for prayer. It's necessary. The where is necessary. I really think establishing your regular place is necessary because just doing it, it's, it's, you know, committing your life to prayer, it's, it's harder so establishing aware and also talking about what to pray. He taught us the words to pray, the Lord's Prayer, but also taught us not to babble on and on or not to, not to pray as the pagans do. It's not about superstition. This week, we're going to learn a prayer that addresses the when. So last week, we, talk, we talked about where. Today, we want to talk about when. When's the best time to pray? How many of you, if you do, don't be shy, if you do pray, you're, you're more of a morning person. Prayer for you works in the morning. If you could just raise your hand. How many of you, prayer works for you at night? I include myself in there. So it's about roughly 50-50. And that's good. Know what works for you. I've tried to be a morning prayer person. It does not work. And it, it's weird. I'm Korean. The Korean thing of rising early, it just doesn't work for me. I do it for a couple of days. I feel super spiritual, but I can't see myself getting up early. Today, we're going to talk about the when. And I'll give you the answer. 
morning or night, either way is fine. You know, there's not, you're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to switch your schedule and pray, you know, right between 9.56 to, you know, 10 a.m., 10 p.m. And I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you, find your time. That's the important thing that I'm going to teach today. When it comes to prayer, set a time. It's necessary to have that rhythm and to recognize, for me, I'm going to pray, you know, you know, for 10 minutes in the evening after the kids go to bed. And this is my, um, in our woven group, in a small group, we talked a little bit about, about the rhythm and finding for, for in agrarian societies, they operate on daily rhythms. In urban societies, it's so busy. Sometimes we operate more on weekly rhythms. Maybe if you can't pray every night, maybe it's better to just set Saturday morning aside or something like that. One day a week where you'll just commit yourself. The point is, Setting a, setting a time is necessary. And whatever that time is for you, whether it's morning or evening, that's, that's, that's the point. When to pray. Find your when and commit to it. And in that note, I'm going to teach something today called the woven prayer of examine. The woven prayer of examine is today's sermon uh, title. The woven part, it, it means It's customized. There's a such thing as a prayer of examine, but the woven prayer of examine, it's, it's drawing on several different sources and it's customized for us. So, you know, I put this together, but it's our church's prayer, I hope. And if you use it, great. If you don't, you know, take it, take what you can, leave, take what you can use and leave the rest behind. Um, but I've started using this just this past week, every night. It's, it's been wonderful for me. So the prayer of examine, if I can just talk about what this means, examine, examination, it's about self-examination. And for me, I do it in the evening. I'm always been, I've always been a night person ever since I was a kid. But a, a prayer of examine can work at night or in the morning. Whatever time you set, it works. Uh, actually, you can even bookend your day. Um, what I do is I'll do a, a prayer of examine in the evening. I try to section off just 11 to midnight. If I finish early, it's really fine. Sometimes 11:10 and I'm done. Sometimes something really comes up in the examine. I'm like, oh my gosh, and it, it lasts a little bit longer. But I feel no compulsion to, to be there for a long time. Sometimes when I do the prayer of examine, I physically kneel because I feel something going on. Um, but whatever the case may be, that's my slot just to share with you what at least from my own example. And then when I wake up in the morning, and this has revolutionized my life, um, I, I, I try to wake up five minutes earlier, and I, I really, I just commit five minutes in the morning. Five minutes, that's it. Before the kids wake up, I'll go to my office once again or my secret place, and I'll do the prayer, a different form, but a similar prayer of examine in the morning as well, just for five minutes before I look at my phone. Revolutionary. Before I look at my phone, before I check my email, um, and that's reduced hypertension. It's made me a happier person. It's taken away the screen days, and like I'm not racing like, oh my God, I've got five million things to do this, this day. And it's actually helped me. So that's what I do. Take it or leave it. I'm just kind of trying to share from example. Um, the, uh, the prayer of examine has been helpful this week as I've bookended my days with, with this examination. And on that, what is an examine? It started, it really goes all the way back to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The verses are in your bulletin. But when Paul says, before you come to the Lord's table, um, we do communion here once a month. 
And Paul says, when you come to communion, examine yourselves. Make sure you examine your heart. And he talks about we eating and drinking judgment upon ourselves because we don't discern, we don't examine. You know how important this statement is. Many times the lack of self-examination and yet the participation in the Lord's table or participation in worship services, the lack of self-examination undercuts everything. I can't tell you, please listen to me, friends. I, I implore you. I can't tell you in church ministry for how long I've been in some form of ministry that we can come to church and participate in the outward forms of church, the singing, the praise. For some people, the Lord's Supper is central. For some people, it's not. But either way, we come to the act of worship without the act of self-examination. And as Paul says, everybody ought to examine themselves because if you eat and drink, and for our purposes, if you worship on Sunday without discerning what's going on, we do this to judge, we do this in judgment upon ourselves. It's dangerous just to come to church without self-examination because what happens is it's like religion glosses over the infected wound when actually it needs to be expressed and popped. Self-examination is a necessary, important part. And he says in verse 31 of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. And so it's important not just to worship, but also to say, what in the world is going on within? This is not narcissism, and I'll teach more. Um, I, just, I do need to say this name um, because I'll be referencing it, but the prayer of examine in its first form was created by somebody named Ignatius. Ignatius of Loyola, I think he was a Spaniard. He was a soldier that lived during 1500, so about 500 years ago, and he underwent a conversion, and a lot of his conversion involved discerning what is going on, our feelings, something called consolations and desolations, won't get into that, uh, he founded the Jesuit order, if you're familiar, if you've ever heard of the order of the Jesuits, the Jesuit priests, he was the founder of that, and he founded this thing called the Prayer of Examine. So our Prayer of Examine incorporates some of his elements. It also incorporates some of the elements of the 12-step program, yes, um, of Alcoholics Anonymous, because why do alcoholics need to do a Prayer of Examine? Because at the end of the day, and you've had an irritating argument with your boss, and your baby's crying, and your wife is about to walk on, out on you, and everything's falling shambles, how do you not drink? How do you not go out on another bender? How do you, not, how do you keep yourself from re relapse? And for alcoholics, what they have to do is do an inventory. It's a form of examine at the end of the day to recognize what's going on. So it's very powerful to do this and on that note, I won't say much more. Why don't we just go ahead and recite it? So if we could pull this woven prayer of examine up on the screen. And if together with me you could recite it. Let's try this. We'll read right through it. By the way, Chan, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sorry. She recorded this yesterday like a hundred times in my office. And it's in its final perfected form, it's available online. Download it. I already did. It's on my phone. And your voice too. And these prayers, they're downloaded. When I commute, I'm listening to my beautiful people pray. The woven prayer of examine. All together now. God, I am grateful for today. As I review my day, what should I take notice of? 
please shed your light and show me what I really need. Where was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do I owe an apology? Have I kept something to myself which should be discussed with another person at once? Was I kind and loving towards all, or was I thinking of myself most of the time? Forgive me for my harms and show me what corrective measures I should be taking. This I do in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this is the woven prayer of examine. If you can, try to memorize it for next Sunday, if possible. If not, no sweat. For me, I have it in printed form right in my secret place of prayer. And I, I just I see it every night. Um, you see an asterisk after every line. I'm going to just describe this. The asterisk, what it does is it's, it's meant to give pause. So just take a brief pause after you say, Please shed your light. Show me what I really need. Pause. But the other purpose of the asterisk is to also give you room to spontaneously say whatever you need to say. So as I taught last Sunday, there's two types of prayers. The one type of a prayer is a set prayer. It's a form. It's rote. It's, you know, you know go and say three Hail Marys, you know, or just saying something that's pre-written. The other type of prayer is what we Protestants are much more familiar with. It's, it's called the extempore or extemporized prayer, which is basically improvisation. It's spontaneous. This is both. We don't want you to just become robots and just rattle off, you know, say three woven prayer of examines, you know, and then your sins will be reprieved. Actually, no, no, no. Work through it. Say the line, God, I'm grateful for today. And then improvise. Find your own words. God, I'm grateful for today. As I review my day and pause and think, you know, actually, I remember, God, this kindness that was shown to me today. I'm grateful for that. And you find your own words. So prayer, you have to learn to find your own words. And this, I can't teach you. You just got to do it. Talk to God. Believe me, he's not easily offended. Um, I don't want to say talk to him like your friend. <laughs> because in one sense, yes. But in another sense, this is almighty God. But there have been times where actually I've yelled at God and I've fought with him. And he didn't strike me down with lightning yet. So, what can I say? Talk to him. That's all I can say. Talk to him. Be real. And there's no, no instruction I can give on that. You just got to do it. But these words help. They guide you. So, you're like, God, I'm here. What do I say? These words serve as a structure. So, if any of you are musicians, um, there's some of us musicians here, jazz musicians. Jazz is all about improv. It's all about spontaneity, about coming up with stuff on the spot. But if you, if you ask a true jazz musician, they love the classics. They love Beethoven, Bach. Help me out here. Mendelssohn. They love the classics and traditional classical music. And you're like, wow, you know, I thought you're all like, you know, Miles Davis and, you know, you know Dave Brubeck can help me out here. Right? I thought you're all about like, but actually they study the classics because it provides the structure Jazz is all about improvisation, but in order to improvise, you need to understand the scales. You need to understand uh, the structure of music in order to go in and out of it, in and out. That's what we're learning. We're learning the structure, but also learning how to improvise. And so really quick, I know that was a long intro, but the, the rest, the remainder of actually walking through it won't take long. Three headings for this morning as we work through the prayer of examine is number one, 
These are the three headings for today. Attitude of gratitude. Secondly, examine desires. And third, make amends. Attitude of gratitude. Examine desires and make amends. Start with that first heading, attitude of gratitude. This is not going to be a preachy sermon about just be grateful, just be grateful. It's important for you to understand that, it, that starting with gratitude is recognizing God lives in everything. I'll say that again. Why do we start with an attitude of gratitude? This is not to brainwash yourself and say when you've had a really terrible day that everything was fine. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to recognize that God is in everything. An express purpose of the examine is to show us that God is in the good as well as the seemingly bad. Why do we start with an attitude of gratitude? I'll tell you a story. A while back, I was complaining to my friend, one of my accountability partners, somebody that I can kind of tell the truth to all, and I was going on and on. And then the next time I spoke to him, I was going on and on. You can kind of, can you tell when somebody's beginning to check you out? Not like check you, but check out. Like they're, they're not check you out, but check out. They're like, they've stopped listening to you. That's what I mean. And my friend, I could tell, was, you know, glazed over, and he's like, he's complaining again. And I was like, yeah, just some self-realization there. And he instructed me, my friend did, and he said, you know, I'd like you to go home and write a list of 10 things you're grateful for. And, uh, and I did. And now, every now and then, I do that. Again, the purpose of this is not to delude yourself that, you're ex that you, everything is fine, but it's to recognize that in the good and the seemingly bad, God is present. That's the point of that first line of the examine, God, I am grateful for today. I'm not saying don't complain or lament to God. God is not an Asian dad. <laughs> don't complain. That's not God. God can take it. I remember one time with my wife, I just had a complaint session. I know it makes me sound like a whiner. Um, and maybe I am. That's fine. And I, I, I just bare my soul before you. And I was complaining even out loud in this, almost this, this prayer. You know, I was talking to my wife, and my wife was looking at me. and said, what's wrong with him? And it became, I was like, God, God. And the thing is, you have to do that every now and then. You got to be honest with God. There's times for prayers of lament and complaint. This is not one of them. The prayer of examine's purpose is not complain and lament, complaint and lament. There's times for that separate. The prayer of examine specifically is about gratitude and, and starting with gratitude, starting your day with gratitude or ending your day with gratitude. Why? The answer is because the prayer of examine, it's supposed to get us to this place where we recognize even the seemingly bad, God is in that. We have to learn to recognize, and if we don't learn to recognize that God is present even in the seemingly bad, we're not going to make spiritual progress. And so as we start by saying, God, I'm grateful for today, and then you extemporize, right? Here's the jazz improvisation. 
I recognize that when I was cut off on the road today, I really wanted to chase that guy down, and I'm grateful that you showed me with this blinking light of my soul that I'm really on edge. Thank you for showing me that something's wrong. Thank you for helping me to understand. God, I'm grateful for that argument that I had with my coworker or my boss. I still think she's wrong. <laughs> but now I also see a little bit more about what I was doing. God, I'm thankful that things didn't work out my way because somehow you're doing something and I trust that you're doing something. So I'm grateful that you're at work nonetheless. Use your words, depending on where you're from, whatever, whatever theological tradition you're from. Some people will say, thank you, God, that you're always in control. Or you might say, thank you, God, that you're running the show. Or you might say, which I say these days, thank you, God, that you're always at work, that you're at work. Even in this, you're at work. When things are going terribly bad in your life, even there, you are at work. That's the purpose of starting off with that first line, God, I am grateful. So step one and the fill in the blank is end your day or start your day. Start your day or end your day with gratitude. That's the prescription for all of us. Again, you can complain between 9 to 5 or 9 to 9, whatever the case may be. You can complain and lament, but you start and end with gratitude because this sense of recognizing God present in all things is vital. Start or end with gratitude. God, I am grateful for today. That's the first line of the examine. The second line of the examine, and this is the second heading, examine desires, the second heading. Examine desires. This is where it starts to really strip away the layers of the onion and get to, you, get to your heart. As I review my day, what should I take notice of? As I review my day, and now you're going to start reviewing your day, maybe even in two-hour increments, 9 to 11, this happened, 11 to 1, 1 to 3, 3 to 5. As I review my day, what should I take notice of? Please shed your light. Shed your light and show me what I really need. And then jazz improvisation. There was a man who had a dream. And in his dream, God appeared to him and said, I'll give you anything you want as long as you know exactly what it is. And he said, Anything I want, as long as you know exactly what you want. And he said, okay, I want to win the $1.5 billion Powerball. And God said, no. And he said, that's what I want. That's what I need. And he says, that's what you want, but that's not what you really need. It's not what you really want. And then the man said, I, I have this catalog where there's this really nice car I've been looking at for a long time. That's what I want. God said, I'm not Santa Claus. It's not what you want. What do you really want? And the man said, oh, I see. You're getting spiritual on me, God. Okay, let me say something really spiritual. I want my kids to behave in church. And God said, is that really what you want? No, I don't think that's what you really want. You want to look good. And the man said, and he's trying to get deeper and deeper to the heart of the matter. He says, God, what I want is, is 
What I want is to have a good family. Or I want to, I don't know, what, what do I want? And finally, God said, I don't know either. Well, maybe, you know, that's theologically suspect. But God says, you come back to me when you know. And when you know what it is exactly that you want, I'll give it to you. I promise, I surely will give it to you if you know exactly what you want, if you know exactly what you need. Hear the words, these wonderful words that, that, that are perfect with that song, Good Father, that you sang. When Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be, it will be open to you. Do you know in the first place what it is that you're asking for? There's people that are asking God, I've been knocking, this is what I want, this is what I need, and God says, "Uh, that's not exactly, you know. Do we know what we need? Do we know what we want? Many times we don't. James chapter 4 talks about this conflict of desires within us. And when he says in James 4, he says, what is the source of fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? We have these battling, conflicting desires. So you're understanding now that prayer, I'm telling you what not to pray. Don't pray, I want, this is what I want today. It's, that's not what prayer is. It's not, God's not Santa Claus. That's why it's important to discern our desires. And that's an important part of the examine. At the end of the day, or at the beginning of the day, what is it that I really, really need Give me what I need today. You know, and James, James 4, hear the rest of this verse. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. Isn't that right? We covet, and we do not get what we want, so we quarrel and fight. That's, man, I, 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 I see this in action in my own marriage. That when I don't know what I need, or when my wife doesn't know what she needs, and then we take it out on each other, and our own conflicting desires within us, we don't even know what's going on, spills out. You don't have because you don't ask. And when you ask, you don't get because you ask with wrong motives. Do you think God wants to give you what you need today, what you want? I think the answer is unequivocally yes. Yes. Hear the rest of the words of Matthew 7. What man is there among you when his son asks for bread would give him a rock? What person among you, if your child says, Daddy, I'm hungry, give me a fish, or Mommy, I want some food, fish, would you give him a snake? Of course then, Jesus says, you being evil know how to get good good gifts to your own children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give you what is good? What is good? What is good for you? God wants to give you what is good. The question is, do we even know what is good for us? Do you hear what I'm saying? The question is, do we even know what is good for us? The prayer of examine is designed for us to recognize, first of all, with gratitude. God, I'm grateful for this day, but what is it that I really need? What is good for me? I really need this now. I need this job. I need this promotion. I need this girl to notice me. Or I need this relationship to work out. Or I need this church to succeed. Or I need this. I need that. But what is it that we really innately in our hearts need? 
And it's in recognition of that that I think God will answer. You know what I think our deepest needs are? I'll just lay the answers out. I think our deepest needs are validation, affirmation, knowing that you're loved, knowing that you're liked, knowing that you're accepted, knowing that you're needed, that you're wanted, knowing that what we need is confidence today, what we need is courage today, what we need is serenity today, what we need is peace. Do you doubt that God will give you those things? That's the bread. He will give it to you. Heck, on his behalf, I can promise you, he will give you what you need so long as you recognize that the deepest thing you need are some of those things I listed. So the second application is ask away. Ask. Ask away. Don't be afraid. See, it sounds like I'm speaking out of two sides of my mouth, right? God's not Santa Claus. So it's not just about prayer is not just... You know, give me this day, my daily bread. Give me tomorrow, my daily bread. Give me, I don't want bread. Actually, I want soup with that bread. Give me the smorgasbord. Give me, it's not just asking, but in a sense, it is asking, but discerning what it is that what I really need. When I say, all I need today is my daily bread, that's good self-awareness. It's recognizing this is what I need right now. Don't just come to church, friends, to just go through the motions of worship discern what's going on. What do I really need? Or I turned my cold shoulder to my spouse last night. What is it that I need? Or I haven't been getting along. What is it that I really need? I'm, 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 I'm restless or irritable or discontent. This, what is it that I need? I'm coming to church. God, what I need is to hear a word from you that says you're okay. What I need is to hear something from you that tells me that I am loved. I'm going to wrap up here with the third and last heading, and it'll be a quick one. Make amends. Make amends. As we recognize what's going on within, we also have to recognize what to do without. And the remainder in the balance of this prayer says, where was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, afraid? Do I owe an apology? Have I kept something to myself which should be discussed with another person at once? Was I kind and loving towards all? Or was I thinking of myself most of the time? Forgive me for my harms and show me what corrective measures I should be taking. And this I do in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it seems like I'm whizzing through the rest of that, but really those first two lines, gratitude and self-examination, those are the foundation. The rest, the rest is what you do after the prayer. You can't just pray and do nothing. It requires action. And I, I, I want to tell you a story about t- times I've had to make amends. I can't because there's so many times. I'm starting to look like that dad that always says I'm sorry to my kids and to my wife. But it doesn't get old. After a prayer of examine, I find myself at times realizing that I do need to make an apology or I do need to confess or speak to someone. And this is the application Make amends, make it right. Make amends immediately, immediately. I think it's important. If you're going to bed and you finished a prayer of examine, make sure tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning you make it right. Whether it's with your family or whatever situation it is, make an amend. Apologize. Say that I was wrong or do something to pay back what, 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 you might have done wrong or what I might have done wrong. But it's important to do it immediately because 
these things lose capital over time. If we put it off, we lose a chance to actually act in the graces of God. So it's important to turn around and to do. In conclusion, take this prayer and make it yours. I'm just a talking head. If it helps, use it. If it doesn't, leave it. But I hope that this is something that you would own and that it would help you because I don't want all of us just to be Sunday churchgoers that just worship and gloss over our inner deeper things and it's, it's getting infected inside. A self-aware people are a step closer to revival. Let's close by saying this all together, if that's okay. If I can ask us to do something unique and a little different, just stand. Let's stand for this prayer as an act of worship towards God. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's, let's play it, and as it's playing, worship team can come forward. Close your eyes. No, actually... Keep your eyes open and let's recite it together with the recorded woven prayer of examine. Woven prayer of examine. God. God, I am grateful, grateful for, today. for today. As I, re As I review, review my, day, my day, what should what I take, should I take notice, notice of? Please shed, shed your light, light and show, show me what, what I really, really need. need. Where was, Where I, was resentful? I resentful? Selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do I owe an apology? Have I kept something to myself which should be discussed with another person at once? Was I kind and loving towards all? Or was I thinking of myself most of the time? Forgive me for my harms and show me what corrective measures I should be taking. This I do in Jesus' name. Amen. That was good. <laughs> Let's close our eyes. Examine your own hearts, friends, during this time of response. You can continue standing or sit if you're comfortable, but use this time now to examine your own heart. Lord, see us and know us. As we examine our own hearts, we're grateful for the ups and downs of our lives. It's in the good that you're present, of course, but we remind ourselves it's also you're present in the seemingly bad. You're also present in the seemingly bad. Show us now what we really need. Take care of us and help us to make right any wrongs that we have done. 